so in the first century, they called that the good news. It was called the gospel. So why is it a good thing? Why is it good news that Jesus loves me? We're going to begin a journey next week to walk through a discovery of who this Jesus is that loves us. It's interesting to note that the entirety of the Bible, the Old and the New Testaments, all point to one person, the one who created life and the one who recreates life for us. So starting next week and for several weeks and months, we're going to discover who Jesus is. Every week we're going to attach ourselves to a new truth about him and see how, how that can transform us. So that's why I want to encourage you to be here every week because there's going to be something about Jesus that's going to, to make a difference in your life and you don't want to miss any piece of that. We're going to, to study who Jesus is by 100 readings about who he is out of the Old and New Testaments. We're going to read five of those uh, passages every week of those readings for 20 weeks. It's going to take us right up to about Easter time. We'll have a break during Christmas and a couple of those weeks, but we're going to walk through that together. And, and we're going to discover who he is. And so the way it's going to happen is next week I have the privilege of, of starting this off as we look at who this Jesus is, the essential Jesus. And, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about something about Jesus, who he is next week, and then the following week, you're going to read five readings about who he is and, and think about that and let that impact you. And then we'll, we'll continue that format for several weeks and, and toward Christmas. And so to guide us, we have, we have a book we want you to get a hold of that will lead us through, and all the readings are here. It's called The Essential Jesus. And we want you to grab one for yourself or for your family. We have them out in the back. They cost $10. It's what basically it costs us to get them to you. And so we want you to grab one of these and begin to, to read it following the message next week. And so today, stop by the lobby. You say, well, 10 bucks, that's, that's, that's expensive. Well, not when you realize it's going to take you through Easter. And so get in line. You say, well, I'm having a tough time in life right now, and I, I don't have $10. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to walk up and say, could I have that as a gift? Because we want to give it to you. And you take it. Now, in the weeks to come, you say, Jesus... I'd like someone else to have that gift, so ask him to put an extra $10 in your hand and come some Sunday and give it back to the media department and say, give this $10 or let this pay for a gift for somebody else, and we'll, we'll pass that forward. And then you may be standing in line today and buying your book and realize that God has blessed you and prospered you, and you can buy a couple more for some people who could not afford one, and you just pay for some extras and say, give this to somebody as a gift that needs that. And so we all will begin then reading uh, the first five passages, the first five readings a week from Sunday after the message. You good with that? You good? It's going to be an exciting time, so please grab hold of that and enjoy it. So I will begin next week talking about who is Jesus. Now, there's this well-known story of the former prime minister of the United Kingdom, Margaret Thatcher. Uh, she was visiting a senior citizen's home and was going from room to room to, to talk to them and and. As she was going from room to room and introducing herself and shaking their hands, it became obvious that one of the ladies there did not realize who she is at that time. And she had no clue. And so finally, Margaret Thatcher said, do you know who I am? And the lady responded, no, dear, 
but I should ask the nurse if I were you. She usually knows. So my question for us this morning, for you, is do you know who you are? It's exactly what Paul the Apostle was addressing when he, when he wrote to, to a community of faith in a first century city called Galatia, and here's what he wrote to them. Galatians 2, verse 15, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law, because simply we can't do that. We will fail at it. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ Jesus or in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already torn down or tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all the requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So here's the question at the root of the issue when Peter and Paul, both apostles, had issues. Paul is rebuking Peter. And the root of the issue is this. Here's the question. Who can eat at the table? That's the question. Because Peter had gone into a community where there were Gentiles, and because of his, his relationship with Jesus and the influence that Jesus had on how he should view life, he began eating with Gentiles, which was against the Jewish law. And a group of Jews then came into town who did not believe that he should eat with Gentiles, so he quit eating with the Gentiles and only ate with the Jews. And Paul rebuked him and said, that is hypocritical. You should be eating with the Gentiles. But the law says that Jews should only eat with Jews. That's what God said. And Paul's response simply is this, telling him that who should sit at the table is decided by who belongs to the Messiah. It's his table. He's king. God had anointed David as king of Israel, even while Saul, the unanointed king then, was still trying to rule and in the process tried to assassinate David. Saul was then killed in battle fighting against the Philistines, and Jonathan, his son, was also killed. David assumed the throne, cleaned up the neighborhood, removed all threats from neighbors, neighboring kingdoms. And then, after he'd done all that, David asked this question, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? See, it's a tradition in those days that, that if, if, if this section right here were the people who had belonged to Saul and his household, that as a new king invades and comes in, he will now neutralize those people who had been faithful to the former king, family of the former king, allies of the former king, and you know what I mean by neutralize? He would wipe them out. 
So David asks the typical question, are there any of those people left? But then he says this, so that I can show kindness to them because of Jonathan. See, David had once been part of Saul's household. He had lived there as he grew popular as a warrior. In fact, so popular that Saul became jealous and tried to murder him. And in the process, David had to escape. And it was Jonathan, Saul's son, a prince, who helped him escape. Why? It's described in 1 Samuel 18 with these words. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant. Everybody say covenant. A covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. It's called a covenant. It's more than a lifetime agreement. If, it would be like if, if Jeff and I were going to have a covenant. The way this would happen is that, it, first of all, it would not just be an agreement between Jeff and me. It would include everybody in our family from that generation on would be included in that covenant. Everybody. And the way that Jeff and I would, would, would deal with this is that we would, first of all, because the word covenant actually means to cut a covenant, we would slice a place more likely in our hand and let the blood begin to drain, and then we would take and grasp each other's hands and let our blood mingle together, saying that our families have now become one blood. That's where we get this whole idea of blood brothers. And then what would happen is I would take off my robe, place it on Jeff. Jeff would take his robe off and place it on me, symbolic of the fact that all I possess now becomes his possessions. All he possesses becomes my possessions, and all my debts are his debts, which is great for me. And all his debts are my debts because we're one family. We would take off our weaponry, and we would hand it to each other saying this, that my protection is your protection, your protection is my protection, your army is my army, my army is your army, your enemies are my enemies, your allies are my allies, and the same for you, my enemies, my allies belong to you, and you fight for me. So at this moment, David enacts, he, he puts into action the covenant. He says, is there anybody left? And somebody says, well, yeah, there's this, there's this son of Jonathan. His name is Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. <laughs> oh, you babies, try it again. Mephibosheth. <laughs> so, oh, Mephibi, what happened is that, that when Jonathan and David, or when Jonathan and Saul were killed in battle, they knew impending was an invasion of Israel, of, of Jerusalem. And so they cleared out of the palace, and the nursemaid for Mephibosheth took hold of Mephibosheth and, and ran out of the palace, and on her way dropped him and crippled him for life. Knowing that if he would be caught, he'd be killed, she hid him in a place called Lodibar. Now say Lodibar. Lodibar, is, the name is descriptive of what it is. The name actually means unpastured lands. It is barren. It also means to be void of word. It was, it was actually used to mean the word stupid. It is a stupid place to be in. It 
is a barren place. It is a stupid place. And so here is this one whose identity should be a prince in the palace, and instead he is in a barren place, a crippled man in a barren place, in a stupid place that has no positive word or any kind of future of hope for him. David sends for Mephibosheth. Now, can you imagine the fear he must have felt when he realized he was surrounded by David's men, these mighty warriors, thinking, I'm a dead dog. So they bring him to David, and his posture is one of total fear, understanding probably what his future will be. And David then says to him, 2 Samuel 9, 7 says this, Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, the covenant. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your, and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always, now catch this, will always what? Will eat at my table. He's the king. It's his table. He chooses who will sit there. He will eat at my table, always. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king summoned Ziba, as we said, and he will always eat at my table. Now can you imagine the awe? For his identity had been this. Who he was was this. I am the dead dog of Lodibar, and now I am the king's table's son. What a change. What's your identity? At what table do you sit? Who sits at the table? Who eats at the table? And Paul makes it very clear. Those who sit at the table are those who belong to the Messiah. And he says those who belong to the Messiah are those who are in the Messiah. So just picture with me. Mephibosheth sitting at the table, enjoying the presence of the king and, and the sons and everything they have he has. He has a new identity. There are some who come from far away and they're, they're greeted by the king and they sit at the table and, and they have been through Lodibar and they've heard the stories of Mephibosheth. They understand that his anger had been towards the removal of him as prince, and probably very angry at David, for he did not honor David. He hid from him. He was fearful of him. And so one of them sitting next to Mephibosheth says, what are you doing here? How did you get here? You hated this king. You did not honor this king. Why are you seated here? And Mephibosheth's response probably would be this. I am not here because of who I used to be or what I used to do. And at that moment, David is reaching out to grab a, a goblet of wine, and as he does, he says, look, 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 look. See the scar on his hand? That's why I'm here. It's the covenant that he had with my father. 
I sit here because of that, not because of anything I've done, simply because of the covenant. So Paul says to us, Romans, the sixth chapter, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that as just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus said that when you put your faith in me, you must be baptized out of your own choice. You might have been baptized as a child, and that was wonderful. Your parents did that for you, but this is your decision. It is a personal decision. Why did he command it? Because he said it's the declaration of your acceptance of a new identity, a new covenant. Because, because when, when we go in that water, the scripture says, and we are, we are immersed, it is our understanding that as Jesus died, we died with our sins, and we died to the old Lodi bar. The stupid world we were in before, the barren world we had before, all of that junk and, and that crippledness that, that just bound us up, it went down, and it was left there. And as Jesus came up out of the grave and we come up out of the water is the declaration that now no longer am I that person, but I carry a new identity. I am not the dog of Lodebar, but I am now a king's table son or daughter. I sit at the table. So someone would look at you and you're baptized this morning and they say, wait, 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 we know your life and we know what you struggle with still. How could you dare be baptized? And your response is, I am not here today at the table of the master, the table of the Messiah, because of who I was or what I did. But look, look, look. See the scar in his hand? See that scar? It's the covenant that he had with the Father. That if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me. Faithful to what? To the covenant. And just to forgive me for sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Brand new. The old is gone. The new has come. To those who believe in his name, they shall be called the children of God. They will sit at his table. So the life that I now live, I live in this flesh, but I live by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I do not treat this grace of God as meaningless, but instead, even as I am baptized, I declare I so believe in what he has done for me and the grace I receive that my identity has been changed and my conscience has been cleansed and I no longer carry the burden of being the old, ugly person I was before, but now I am set free because of him to live a life and sit at his table. Like a marriage ring. Baptism is the seal of my decision for this new covenant relationship. Me and Jesus, we're serious. We're going steady. We're married. This is, this is the deal. And, and Jesus said, and, and when you do that, no one can snatch you out of my hand. So what's your ID today? What, 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 who are you? If you sit here today and say, I, I'm not sure I have this covenant relationship with Jesus, how do I do that? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all impurity. 
right where you're seated. You can just say, Jesus, if that stuff's true, then I want my sins forgiven, and I want this relationship with you that lasts forever. Now, it's just more than a decision. It's a decision to go on a journey with Jesus and that you will sit at his table not just now, but it intensifies because one day we'll see him face-to-face at his table at his table, and be there with him forever. So even right now, you can just say, Jesus, please forgive me. And I'm going to tell you, at this very moment, if you really believe that and are willing to repent, which means to turn from the way you've lived, let it die and rise again into a new life, he said, I'm forgiving you. And that stuff's gone. If you say to him, do you remember when I did this last week ago? No, I don't remember. Yeah, I choose to forget that stuff. That's what he has for you today. So in, in, in just a few moments, we're going to go into our five-minute break where you get to talk to each other and greet each other. And what's going to happen while we do that is that there are 18 people so far who have said, we're going, to, we're going to be baptized today. And so they're going to get over here to this door, and we're going to get everything rearranged on the platform. And, and we're going to baptize them. And it's a party today, so make it party-ish in here. All right? Exactly. Woot, woot, all that stuff. You should be more excited about that those people being immersed and declaring their faith than whether the Steelers or the Browns win today. Sheesh. When you get to heaven, you say, Jesus, Steelers or Browns? <laughs> Bills. <laughs> He's going to say, look at my people who, who put their faith in me. So here's the deal. If this morning you've put your faith in Jesus... And you want to identify with him. I, I remember reading that at one point there was this, this official from Ethiopia who met a follower of Jesus, and the follower of Jesus explained who Jesus is, and he put his faith in Jesus at that moment and then said, oh, there's some water. Can I get baptized right now? He said, oh, yeah. I have a friend who said to me, you know, I, I thought about being baptized on Sunday, but I'd rather wait till do it outside like at the beach. And I said, well, wait a minute. I know you have kids, and if you tell your kids to do something and they say, well, wait till the summer, well, how will you respond to that? And Jesus said, you put your faith in me, get baptized. And so I want to encourage you today to be baptized. If you've been a follower of Jesus and you have never been baptized by your own choice, it's disobedience. Jesus said, I want you to to declare this covenant relationship with me, that you sit at my table and rejoice in that. And there's something about sealing that that moves us ahead in our maturity. You say, oh, but wait. I'll get wet, I have no change of clothes. (gasps) I have an answer. We have clothes for you. And so we got clothes for you, we got a towel for you. So in just a moment, when we go into the five-minute break, if you are not, you didn't come to be baptized, but you decided you're going to be, then just go up these steps, and Pastor Jason will be standing right there, and, and, and he's going to talk to you a few moments and then take you up, get you changed, give you some clothes, you can get wet, and he's going to bring you around, and we're going to walk you through baptism this morning. So you be sure you do that. So you're good? All right, please stand. Oh, yeah, let the party begin. So, so hang with us. I know the message is over. It doesn't mean you leave. We're going to party together. We're a community. And, and the cool thing is, listen to this. This morning we are baptizing a 91-year-old man. No, it's not me. It's someone else. We're, we are baptizing this morning 
a beautiful lady who has been a Hindu all her life until this last week and got rid of all her gods and idols and said, Jesus is the one. And a whole lot of other stories you're going to hear this morning. It's going to be great. So take now the next five minutes and then be ready to celebrate with these friends. So we're going to invite you, if you will, to find your seat. Please do that. All right, please be seated. Let your party focus this way. So this is Angelo Bongiorno. be seated. Angelo has been a follower of Jesus for a long time. If you had a chance to sit with him, he has these amazing stories of actually audibly hearing God's voice a couple of times, which has saved his life. Uh, he's a veteran of World War II, and he tells this great story of being in a situation where everyone's being killed around him, and he, he goes through this hail of gunfire, and there's no reason why a bullet shouldn't get him, except God said he's going to be okay. He told me the other day about a story of actually having a collision with a semi and going under the semi. And as he started to go under the semi, he heard the audible voice of God say, duck. He did. And then they pulled the truck off of him and then he just jumped out of the car. Um, so, so, which brings me to two conclusions. Number one, that God is with Angelo. But number two, don't ever ride with Angelo. He told me this week, he came to see me at the office, and, and he said, as I was growing up in the uh, Italian Pentecostal church, uh, I don't remember being baptized. And he said, I asked my brother, and he said, no, you weren't. He said, you know, probably time I get that taken care of. So he is 91, and he has some physical issues, and normally we immerse people. But in this case, we're going to let the water come over him, and, and we're going to take care of that, but we're going to baptize him. So... Angelo, on your profession of your faith for so many years, 
in the Lord Jesus. It's our privilege this morning to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. rest of our candidates will be getting younger. Shane, come up here. <clears throat> Tell us your name. Shane Mink. And Shane, what brought you to your belief and your faith in Jesus? Uh, I was in Royal Rangers when I was a little kid, and we just finished our devotional, and they asked if anyone wanted to come to Jesus. And I said yes, so they took me outside, and they explained to me what that meant, and I prayed with them, and I accepted Right. You're ready to be baptized today. Go right ahead with that. Shane, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Tell us your name, please. Uh, Joshua. Joshua. Uh, what was it that uh, helped you to make your decision to come into your faith in Christ? Uh, this church. Uh, and my father. Um, just friends and family. Uh, that's it. Okay. Joshua, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So tell us your name, please. Jiva. Jiva. This is a fairly new experience for you. Uh, can you tell us what help you to make your decision to come to your faith in Jesus. I'm alive today because Jesus loves me and blood of Jesus has cleansed me. Praise the Lord. You've 
important decision that Jesus is the only one you will follow. So on that profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it is our honor to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're dead to your old life. You have a brand new life ahead of you. This is Josie. Josie's a part of a custodial staff, and you can't really work along around here very long being connected with all of our people before Jesus has an impression on you. But Josie, what really was it that caused you to come to your faith in Jesus? When I was younger, I was baptized. I went to a church camp. When I was 10, 12, I saved up money for it. I accepted Christ. I went to Rock the Lakes. I accepted Christ as an adult. And now I'm confirming it. I'm getting baptized. Josie's a very shy person. <laughs> Josie, we are so proud of you and on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're dead to your old life. You know that. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome to a new life. Can you tell us your name? Cameron. Cameron. All of these long years you have on this earth, what made you or what helped you make that decision to come to your faith in Jesus? My parents and my mom. My mom especially. All right. Cameron, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your old life is gone and new life is yours now. This young man's name is Cleet. Many of you know who he is. And... Uh, my take on it, if he says a believer, I'm not going to argue with him. But, Cleet, you have been involved with the men's ministry and some things around the church here, but tell us what really formulated your decision to come to Christ and to be baptized today. I was baptized probably at age 16, and between 16 and now 52, soon to be 53, a lot has gone wrong, and uh, I have my lovely wife sitting there helped me come back to God. So I thank you. I love you. I'm here. Thank you.
So, we may have to do one end at a time. And somehow the, uh, the story of David and Goliath is coming to my mind right now. Clean on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, could you tell us your name, please? Tim Bailey. Tim Bailey. Tim, what was it in making your decision to follow Jesus and um, bring you to your faith in Christ? Uh, I was lost. I needed some guidance. And, uh, since then, I got a beautiful wife who had two kids. Uh, they're now mine. Uh, it's just it's all going well. And hopefully, the Lord will continue to guide me. All right. Congratulations. your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're dead to your old life, alive to a brand new life. Would you tell us your name, please? Yes, my name is Christy Bailey. I'm Tim's beautiful wife. Tim's beautiful wife. All right. And so you're the one that, when he didn't have any direction, now you tell him where to go and what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you come to your faith in Jesus? I, I did when I was younger, uh, you know, fell off the wagon like some do, and, you know, just recently got back in there, wanted to be a good role model for my girls, you know, our kids, show them how they should be, where they should go. All right. Congratulations. Christy, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead to your old life, alive to a brand new life. All right, young lady, would you tell us your name? Jenna Crone. Say it real loud so we can hear. Jenna Marie Crone. On your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Could you please tell us your name and um, what was it that brought your decision to be a follower of Jesus? Mabel. It was my mother who passed away a couple of years ago and reflecting on things she had said 
and home. She loved her life. Okay, congratulations. on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead to your old life, alive to a brand new world. This next young lady is named Trinity. I leaned over and told her I leaned over and told her I was going to have her recite the Gettysburg Address. Was that okay? And she said no. But Trinity, uh, tell us how you came to have your faith in Jesus. My mom told me when I was younger. Your mom told you when you were younger? Yeah, about Jesus, and I decided to get baptized today. All right. Congratulations. Trinity, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have a great world ahead of you, a great life. All right, would you please tell us your name and um, what was it that uh, helped you to make that decision to be a follower of Jesus? My name is Morgan Terry. Um, at a young age, I was, sa I was saved, and um, like many Christians, I did backslide. I was lonely. I was empty. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And then I found out that there's no love greater than this. Congratulations. Morgan, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That old life is gone. You now live a brand new life. All right, would you step right up here, please? Tell us your name, and um, how did you come to your faith in Jesus? Uh, my name's Danielle. I went to church when I was younger and stopped, but recently I came back and I decided that I wanted to know Jesus and cement it today. All right. Congratulations. Danielle, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead to your old life. You're now alive to a new life. This young man's name is Robert. Now, Robert also, he works on our maintenance staff. 
And uh, when he came to us, uh, he really wasn't a follower of Jesus, but um, he's had some people be a positive influence in his life. And Robert, what was it that caused you to make this decision to follow Christ? Uh, I come from a rocky past, and uh, it's just it's just unbelievable. This church has done so much for me. It's, it was this church. You know, I... Uh, all I know is ever since I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have never felt so free. Congratulations. Robert, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are dead to your old life. A brand new world is ahead of you. Okay, young man, would you tell us your name, please, and um, what made you decide to be a follower of Jesus? My name is John, and um, my what made me come to Christ is... I went to WLE Ranch when I was five, and I just started singing songs, and they just brought me to Jesus. And that's I. That's it. All right. Congratulations. John, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, tell us your name and how you came to know Jesus. Uh, my name is Paulina, and I came to know Jesus at a Russian church camp. And I came to him a couple of years ago, and baptism was always at the back of my mind, and I always wanted to do it, and just kind of happened. Okay, excellent. Paulina, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead to your old life, alive to a brand new world. Okay, now, Paulina, she's going to stay here just for a minute. You need to understand, I want to introduce this as well. What's your name? Victor. Okay, and how did you come to know Jesus? Uh, my parents taught me to love Jesus, and I just want him in my life. Excellent. Now, you want to understand, I just received word that these two are engaged to be married this coming year. So this is part of their journey.
Victor, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead to your old life, alive to a brand new life. Okay, go ahead and tell us your first name. My first name is Jordan. And how did you come to know Jesus? I came to know Jesus by my mother spreading his word into me when I was a child and by his truth through his faith. And when I've prayed, he's given me answers and he showed me supernatural experiences and gave me knowledge to know that King Jesus Christ is the true Lord and Savior and Father God. Father God Almighty. on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dead to an old life, alive to a brand new world. This is Aaron Troyer, and uh, his dad's going to be joining him in the tank, I believe, right? Yeah. I asked Aaron if he really trusted him to bring him back up. But Aaron, tell, tell us a little bit about your faith, your trust in God, and what brought you to this decision today. Well, I guess the short version would be making a lot of really poor uh, life decisions and trying just to live according to, to myself, really, um, and in my own strength and in my own power. And I, I fortunately quickly found out at a pretty young age, a few years ago, that uh, in myself, I can't go very far, and things go really poorly. So, in the last few years, my with my family and and help through uh, with them and friends at school and my fiance Kylie, um, I've made that th this decision to be baptized today and make a public declaration of my faith. So, congratulations. Aaron, on your profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're dead to that old world, alive to a brand new life. In just a moment, I'm going to dismiss us in prayer, and we're going to invite you to go down to the gymnasium. All of our baptismal candidates are down there. They'll have this little ribbon on them that identifies who they are. They won't still have their wet clothes on, but they'll have this ribbon that identifies who they are. And that gives you a chance to congratulate them, to introduce yourself to them, and even hear a little bit more of their story. So uh, after, right after I pray, we'd invite you to go down to the uh, gymnasium. I think, there's, I think there's something down there good to eat. Uh, that ought to get us all down there. So, But here's what I would like for us to do before we dismiss. 
I'm standing here on the platform and I'm thinking the best way to dismiss or to end this service is for us to stand and just, whether it's a shout, a whistle, a hand clap, whatever, because here's the thought that came to me. These people that were here today has told us that hell has been robbed and heaven has been populated. Would you stand with me and just give God praise for what he has done in the lives of these people. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. We celebrate. We celebrate. God is good. So, Father, we do rejoice. But, Father, as the body of Christ, as, as family, we are aware that this is just the beginning for many of these folk who've come here today, that they're going to need people around them that will love them, that will accept them unconditionally, people that will mentor them and disciple them and walk with them on their journey. This is not an end-all event this morning. This is the beginning of a fresh life. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to celebrate your love and your grace and your forgiveness. And we give you thanks for that. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.